0: Tom Moran from Tom's Big Spiders here about to do the podcast that I was supposed to do last week that I intended to do last week, which was featuring probably my favorite uh, genera of tarantula, which is Peace Letheria. Fortunately, last week I went on a little mini tirade about some of the issues I was dealing with. So again, I want to thank people that took the time to chime in about that and uh, express sympathy over the the tarantulas I lost and Back me up as so far as my little, uh, I, I don't know, I just don't like being negative, and I felt like that one began negative. So, again, I apologize for that, but I did feel like I had to get it off my chest, and it was, I thought, about as real as you could get as far as these podcasts go, because as I was starting to record the podcast, I was still kind of dealing with some frustration over these, so I figured what the heck might be nice to get it out there. So, again, thanks all for putting up with that. Now, for this one, we are going to talk about Peace Lotheria. I've been dying to do this one, and a little while back, I did a Pesolitheria genus review on YouTube which was fairly well received and it was kind of my love letter to this uh, genus of tarantulas. I absolutely love pokies and anybody that's watched the videos or followed my website knows this. If I had to narrow it down to one genera or of tarantula one genus of tarantulas i was i would keep it would definitely be pokies and i kind of almost consider them to be in a league of their own it's like there's tarantulas and then there's pokies and again that's not i don't want people coming back freaking out because they're thinking i'm you know dissing for lack of a better term the other species that's not true obviously there are many other species of tarantulas i like and obviously the formictopus genus is a huge favorite and it kind of comes down between the two of those as far as my favorite genus overall but there's just something about pokies for me and it all started uh several years ago i picked up my first which was a sexed three and a half inch or so female p. vitata that I was immediately enamored with while at the same time and this is going to be a huge part of this whole podcast while at the same time I don't want to use the term frightened of her because I wouldn't go so far but very very wary and that's because over the last couple years before I would picked her up I had heard a lot of talk about this genus and their speed and particularly their venom potency to the point where I felt like they were quite scary. You kind of heard them mentioned in the same types of discussions as OBTs and some other, you know, fast and feisty old world species. But these guys were always considered to be even a league of their own because of their even faster speed than an OBT and their even more potent venom, which is a scary combination. So when I picked this one up, I had done plenty of research and I did feel. Confident that I was ready for her. I had, you know, again, I had had some experience with tarantulas at this point, and I considered getting a sling, but I saw this female and I just had to have her. And when we got her, we originally set her up in one of the Exoterra Nano Talls, the 8x8x12 ones, and she fit in there really well and just absolutely looked stunning. Now, I have many species of tarantulas I enjoy and appreciate aesthetically, but there is just something about the life, you know, slender build of these guys. They just, and I've said it a million times, they look just regal to me, and they, they look different than normal tarantulas. And a fun fact, if you can call it that, is when while I was still trying to get over my fear of tarantulas, I used to look up a lot of photos of them. And Pesolitheria, until... Very late on in the game for me were ones that I would pull up and they would terrify me. There, there was just something about it. this looked like a spider that could be incredibly fast and possibly mean and dangerous. So when that box arrived, I remember putting her on my dinner table, and anybody that's seen my videos knows I love the dinner table rehouses. And we got her out, got her out of the packaging, and she was in that deli cup, and basically. I was like, this thing's going to bolt, and I was trying to explain to Billy that these guys are really fast, but don't panic if they bolt, so we got her into the cage pretty much without instant, incident, because I basically just opened the top of the deli cup, set her inside the cage, and let her come out on her own, I wasn't even messing with it, because it was still, I was weary of them, I'd heard a lot of negative things, and they have been kind of, for lack of a better term, demonized, i had been spent a lot of time on boards, and anytime somebody mentioned that they were getting a pokey, they, poke, they got the third degree from the bigwigs on boards about whether or not they were ready, and they could get pretty nasty, and they basically painted this thing to be an animal that can do a fair amount of damage. So we got her in the cage, and I will say I fell in love immediately. There are a, a few spiders in my collection that I just remember getting and still still kind of have that feeling for when I look at them like these guys are just amazing and that was one of the first that I was just stunned I used to go into the tarantula room which at that time I believe was the transformer and and movie room because I had a bunch of shelves with transformer figures on it and then my movie collection and it was just kind of a smaller shelf with some of the tarantulas and I would go in there and just stare at her and Billy was this was one of the first species I think we connected on with where she started to really understand and granted she's always been incredibly supportive of the hobby and interested but I think that was that Peace Letharia Vitata, was the first one that she would actively go in and check on and be like, hey, the is out tonight, or hey, the Votata's on the side of the glass. And as it got bigger and bigger and bigger, we were just totally amazed by these large, giant tree spiders. They're just fantastic. And I love black and white and gray. I, I've done artwork, and that's one of my favorite things to work in, is black and white. So the colors were great. Her build was amazing, and she was incredibly, incredibly docile, which threw me, because this was a species I had heard so many negative things about. So moving ahead in this podcast, one of the things I'd like to talk about is the general care, dispel some of the myths around them, and there are a few persistent ones and talk about just what it's like how do you know you're ready for one of these guys what what point should you be looking at getting a piece of species because i think a lot of people it's usually the metallica that gets them a lot of people see the p metallica and i talked about before that that was the first blue spider i looked at. i thought it was a photoshopped image i didn't think the thing really existed and then to find out it existed my mind was blown so i think that's the one that attracts people but i think a lot of us get into the hobby and I hesitate to say this, but we get into the hobby wanting the P. metallica and then we start seeing the other species of P. letharia and we start kind of falling for them and think those are better looking. I know a lot of people disagree with this, but I I also have talked to quite a few people that agree that they're all gorgeous, so it really doesn't matter. So moving ahead, one thing to think about if you're getting these guys is they are quick growers. This is, And and it's funny because if you took away, in, in my opinion, you take away the potency of the venom a lot of these guys, even temperament-wise, I'll throw that out there, would be wonderful beginner tarantulas because A, they grow quickly, B, they eat incredibly well. These are some of the best-eating spiders I have and one, and, and I would say some of the best-eating arboreals that I keep and see, they're is all get out. So one thing to mention is that the growth rate is something to pay attention to because with a species like this, despite the fact that they may not be as bad as they sound, if ever there is a potential to get bitten, it's going to be during a rehousing. So the idea is to limit the rehousings on species that could cause you trouble. There's nothing wrong with that. So to start off, a lot of times I talk about using smaller containers for slings. I found that with my pokies, with the majority of them, I think the only one i started in something smaller was my p metallica and that's because she came in it but the majority of the pokies i start off in the 32 ounce deli cup so those are the tall ones so something 32 ounce size and i'm going to repeat this Throughout this podcast, and again, I know I say this all the time, but people watch my videos know I like to have a lot of room up top to work, especially with these faster species. And I think the 32 ounce deli cups are nice because they have that big, wide open mouth with no ridges for them to get caught up on. So it gives you a lot of room to work when you got to do feedings or cleaning out boluses or changing water dishes or whatever. So I think for most slings, starting, you know, the tiniest slings up to maybe an inch and a half or so, the 32-ounce deli cup is... Perfect to start off and usually what I do is I set them up with moist substrate to start and we're going to get back to this moist substrate thing later on but moist substrate to start then I put a piece of cork bark with a little bit of fake foliage I usually hot glue it onto it and put it at like a 45 degree angle it doesn't need to have to be perfectly 45 degree angle but an angle leaning from the bottom to the side of the enclosure and then I like to shove some sphagnum moss behind it and that's important because what's going to happen most of the time and actually I can honestly say all of mine have done this, is although this is an arboreal species, they're going to do a little bit of digging. They're going to get down behind that cork bark. They're going to dig into the dirt, dig some little tunnels. I wouldn't say full fossorial mode, but they're definitely going to do some tunneling, and they're going to use the dirt and that sphagnum moss and web up behind it to create those dirt curtains so it has a place to hide. So they will use that cork bark to create their own hide, and that's where they are going to stay most of the time. We put the cork bark in... Because in theory they're arboreal, and we want to have that place where they can get up off the ground. And sometimes when they get a little bit larger, you'll find them sitting on the cork bark. But more often than not, they're going to take up residence behind it. So that's something to be aware of when you get these guys. I get a lot of emails. Hey, Tom, just got a piece of Etheoria regalis. And I set it up, and she's digging. And is this normal? Is it okay? Yeah, totally normal. All of mine have done that. I have some Tigrina wassellies in my room now that I'm about to rehouse. They're about three inches or so, and they're still not out very often. When they they grab something to eat, you'll sometimes catch them out eating in the open. But normally, they're hiding in their little dirt curtain tunnels. So that is totally normal. Also, I do include water dishes with them when they're tiny. The little bottle caps work well from water bottles, like the little spring water bottles you get. Those work great. No, they will probably drop boluses and stuff in them, but keep them try to keep them in an area. And when you set up your enclosure, it's important to give yourself some room to work. So you want to make sure that you have enough room for the water dish to fill it, to pluck it out and clean it, or if you know you've got a never-ending supply of those little water bottle caps, just pluck it out and throw it away. But I do keep at this age or that this size when they're sling mode, so we're talking, you know, three quarter inches to maybe two inches or so, I do keep part of the substrate moist. I have a feeling most of them, once they put on a little bit of size, it really doesn't matter. And again, we're going to talk about moisture going through. But um, I do keep them moist as a rule of thumb. And what I will do is I will keep that water dish full. And as slings, I usually feed them twice a week. And when I feed them, I will take a spray bottle and just... Carefully spray down one of the sides and some of the foliage to give them another place to drink. This isn't to add humidity, and I want to make that very, very clear. That would only add humidity for maybe an hour until it evaporated. But I have seen some of them go around after eating and drink off of the sides of the enclosure or even drink off some of the fake plastic plants. So it's to give them an alternative of where to drink. And you got to figure in the wild, if they're up in a tree, they can drink the dew off leaves and things of that nature. So that makes a lot of sense. And that's about it. They're very very good eaters. And most of mine, I, I have a couple species that weren't like this, one being the P. metallica, but most of mine would accept larger prey early on. So, for example, I would start off something that was, you know, a quarter inch or so, or slightly less, than uh, three quarters of an inch, sorry, or slightly less with a small cricket but you'll see once they molt and get about an inch sometimes you can throw a medium in there and they'll wrestle it down they're really good again the P. metallica was the one I had that was a little more sheepish when it came to hunting and to this prey size it was also the only one I had that would stop eating for a bit and you'd think it was in pre-molt and it's done this a few times over the years and then when you go to offer it something a couple months later it would eat again so something to think about and I know some people have ones that are voracious eaters mine and I've talked to a couple other people that had the same thing with the P. metallica's had that issue where they would not always eat. And that's odd for this genus because they are normally fantastic eaters. They grow very, very quickly and put on a great deal of size with each molt, which is going to bring me to my next point, which is juveniles, you want to kind of, when you get them into a juvenile enclosure, and usually what I do with mine, I put them in three different enclosures. If you do a juvenile enclosure, you want to give them something pretty large because they're going to outgrow it very quickly in that middle stage. Usually these guys can go to two to four or five inches within, a you know, six months or so, sometimes even less, depending on how they're kept, depending on the species. My Regalis put on some serious size. Those guys I got as like one, one and a half inch juvenile slings slash slings and they were easily five inches with a, in about a year so they put on a lot of size some of the other ones grew a little more slowly my piece of grew a bit more slowly my hanama valisa mika's grew fairly slow my vitadas grew rather quickly so it all depends and again it depends on temperatures so when looking for something juvenile size i like something that offers about two gallons of rum or so because you're going to drop them in there, put them in there probably if you're going to do the juvenile enclosure, and we'll discuss that in a second. But you're going to drop them into something after they hit about two inches or three inches or so. So a lot of times they make these open rectangular containers that are about, you know, seven by seven, eight by eight, and maybe nine or ten inches tall. Something like that works very, very well for juveniles. Or you can use the one-gallon, mainstay containers you get for walmart however i advise against using those and here is why i've used them once twice i think with pokies and those ridges because the mouth of the container is actually round and the container itself is more square in shape, it leaves four little corners that the spider can kind of climb up to the top and squish itself into it. It makes it very difficult to get it out. And anybody that's seen my rehousing videos have sometimes seen me wrestle with that, with other spiders. I wouldn't want to do it again with a pokey. One of them came out, no problem, came right into the catch cup. I got her in her new enclosure. One of them, it became a bit of a game where we were basically hit her with the paintbrush, or touched with the paintbrush. She would scuttle to another corner and keep going around the corners. I couldn't get her to come out of the mouth of the container. So that's one I wouldn't necessarily use. I personally, and this comes up quite a bit when people ask me why I use the containers I do, for pieceleth area species or for fast arboreals, I like larger open mouth containers, especially for adults, but I want to be able to get my hands in there and work without having to shove my hand down some hole or have a come in from the face of an enclosure because I have an issue with the face of an enclosure because if one of these guys bolts, generally what they do is they're going to circle the enclosure and if you have an enclosure that opens from the front and you're working from the front, they can bolt right out at you, which quite frankly could be terrifying. You don't want a pokey cannon. So when housing them, I, I do encourage people to find something. You want something that's clear. And I understand a lot of folks don't understand. I understand that a lot of folks don't understand why someone might use an opaque container. I would say, honestly, when you're raising a spider, you want to give it something that is not only appropriate for the spider. and gives it room. and gives it the correct habitat, but something that makes it easier for you to work. And for a lot of these guys that grow quickly you have plenty of time when they're an adult to get them into a pretty cage. That's no problem. That's that's going to be something later on. If you put them in your adult enclosure, you're probably not going to have to change that very often, so it's not going to be a big deal. But as far as sling enclosures and juvenile enclosures, you know darn well you're going to have to do a rehouse, and you want to make it as easy for yourself as possible. So my theory is at those stages, it makes more sense, it's more prudent to pick an enclosure that may not be the prettiest, but one that you can correctly ventilate, that you can set up, the environment for them the way they need it, and that possibly most importantly, you can work safely and without fear of trapping the spider in a corner and having it revert to defensive behavior. And I think that's a big one with these guys, and an easy way to make sure that if you get pokies, you have a good experience and don't become a statistic or one of those horror stories that people tell to make this genus of spiders pretty much the boogeymen of tarantulas. So, as far as juveniles, we're talking about if you do the juvenile stage. Uh, enclosure, you're talking about something about two gallons. I encourage people to find one with an open mouth. I, at the juvenile stage, will moisten a corner of the substrate every once in a while, but I let it dry out completely in between. I have found, and when I first got into these, I've heard some for some people that kept them that argued that they absolutely need to be kept moist you will have issues if you don't keep them moist that has not been my experience at all and i'm happy to say that i've spoken to many other keepers that keep peace and some that have bred them that don't have the issue with them being moisture dependent if you give them a water dish you give them a place to get water if you want, you can spray down the side every once in a while to give them a chance to drink there. They do perfectly fine, especially once they put on some size. Again, slings, I would keep a little bit moist. Juveniles, I will occasionally, especially in the winter when it gets a little dry, I'll moisten down a corner, but they don't seem to care. As long as they have a water dish, I have seen them drink off of water dishes in the sides of the enclosures, but they do perfectly fine. They molt fine. They eat fine. I mean, when you're when you're talking about how to read, whether or not a spider is comfortable, if it's Sitting out in the open, in the case of piece of ethereal, a lot of them will sit out in the open. If it's eating well, and if it's molting well, it's probably fairly healthy. Again, it's, they're hard to tell. They're not expressive. It's something we got to kind of guess at, but that's generally what I found. And so I've had no trouble with mine that way. When they're adults, I keep them dry every once in a while. In the wintertime, I will use make it rain in a corner to give them you know a little bit of moisture because it can get a little dry in that room. But that's about it. They do completely fine. So don't worry about the moisture level at juveniles. But you will need your cork bark. You will need your sphagnum. You will need a nice water dish. I like to use those little um, souffle cups. Those work great, especially for juveniles. They can get a drink. It holds a decent amount of water in it. And at that size, they're going to be eating. If you're talking juvenile stage, we're talking two and a half inches or or more. They they will probably eat easily a large cricket a, at a time. So I what I usually do is I open I feed my juveniles once a week. I feed my slings twice a week. I feed my juveniles once a week, and I'll drop in a large cricket, and they usually have no problem with it. And they will eat large crickets from that point forward. The adults will, when I drop in large crickets, I usually drop in at least two or three depending on the tarantula and they have no problem grabbing them all up. It's kind of fun to watch them go nuts and then web them all up and do their little happy dance. But for juveniles, one large cricket will work. You can feed them more if you want. And if your temperatures are higher, you'll get a faster growth rate and they'll probably eat more. something to think about. Now, the reason I keep talking about if you do juvenile enclosures is because this is a species where I think you can safely and not do any harm to the tarantula. Move them from a sling enclosure to their permanent adult enclosures without issue. They are excellent hunters. I have some arboreals, like some of my Vicularia species. If I were to take one out and drop it in a huge enclosure at three inches, it's going to web up in a corner. It's going to be scared. It's going to spend a lot of time up there, and a lot of them won't hunt very well. They won't come down and find the prey that you drop into the enclosure. With peaceful piece of that's not going to be an issue. So what I do tell some people to do is generally they will outgrow that 32-ounce deli cup in a molt. So one minute, they'll be Eh, a little bit maybe a little big for it you know the two and a half inches or so maybe next molt they're pushing three three and a half and suddenly you got a spider that's way too big that's a good opportunity and a good time for you to move it if you're so inclined to its adult enclosure and when you're looking at adult enclosure adult enclosure you got to look at the species of piece most of them will do well in a five to ten gallon tank and We talk about the Rufalata and Ornatas get a little bit bigger, and those you might need to go 10, and some people have even gone 15. 10 gallons should suffice with those as well. But for the other ones, you know, a smaller piece of Letharia species in a 5-gallon tank would do fine. Again, personally, I've been using the, I was using the Sterilite hanging file boxes or Sterilite containers for them, and they were, they ran about four, five, six gallons or so. I forget what the actual measurements are. A little smaller for the bigger ones, but seem to be a good size for the smaller pokies to get about seven inches or so. But if you don't want to use those, another thing I've been using is the Exo... Not the ExoTerra. The... Critter Keeper Extra Larges, I get them from Pet Mountain, and you can usually, if you buy them in bulk, you can get a really good deal on them, much cheaper than they are on Amazon or the pet stores, and they are crystal clear, with the exception of the tops, they are quite large, and you can take those tops right off, and it gives you plenty of space to work, much like, you know, all the all the perks of having a Sterilite container, but they're also clear, so that's something you could use, if you use a stand-up arboreal, like one of the fancy acrylic enclosures. Personally, I like ones that allow you to work from the top. If you're working from the front, like if you have a front opening one, do keep in mind, again, that when I've, in the few occasions that I've startled a piece of Litheria species and it's bolted, they circle around the enclosure. So if I have an enclosure that opens from the front, guess where that thing's probably going to end up? Right on me. And that's one of the reasons I don't like the front opening enclosures for them personally. Now, I want to make it very clear. I know somebody will contact me and go, I don't understand. I love these. That's great. Use whatever works for you. I'm not going to tell you to change it. Obviously, you've got a system that's, again, not telling you this is the right way to do it. I'm saying from my experience working with them, that's what I prefer. So people can make their own choices, and I know it can be difficult to find nice cages that open from the top, although I do believe Lorax Plastics, and I have a couple of their cages, they were the ones that made the cage for the MBAW4 Communal, now that they're adults. And I do believe he makes some stand-up arboreal enclosures that open from the top, which is fantastic. So whatever, you know, pick your poison, whatever works for you. This is just what works for me. And from my experience, if one bolts, they're going around in a circle. And I would rather be working from the top where I can quickly get my hands out and close the container as opposed to the front where the spider can get out. And to just illustrate that point, back to my first, my first piece of theria species, which was my pivotata. When it came time to rehouse her, I decided she was getting a little bit big for that exoterror enclosure. It was a huge family event. We had been—I'd been thinking about this for a couple months and kind of running it through it through it in my mind. And I won't say that I was scared of her because I wasn't, but I was very—I was approaching this very cautiously. I wanted to make sure that we didn't have an escape or a bite. God forbid if I had to tell Billy that that pokey was out in the house, I was going to be in a fair bit of trouble. So it was my son and I, my oldest son and we basically got everybody out of the house, and it was he and I, and first we tried to work from the top, and I was having a hard time going in from the top, so I went to open the front of the cage. The spider got startled and ended up on the front of the door. It came out the door, around the door, and sat right on the front of the door. Now, that could have been a nightmare. Luckily, it stopped on the door and provided the absolute perfect opportunity to just carefully place a cup over it, but had I not had that spider not stopped and it very easily could have kept moving, I would have been in a bit of trouble. It could have been up the table, up the wall, and I've seen pictures of pokies on the ceilings. So that was something that was kind of a wake-up call for me because from that point on, I'm like, I'm not opening the front anymore. I'm going completely from the top, and that's one of the reasons I personally probably won't use ExoTerras with them, at least not the smaller ones, the Nanos. The bigger ones offer you know 12 inches of space. That's good enough for me to get my hands in there and move without being at risk of you know cornering the spider. But that's personally why I like to go from the top. Now, let's talk a little bit about the attitudes for these guys and about some of the myths surrounding them. I know a lot of people approach me about them and are very, very scared is probably the term of getting one. They always they approach it not like, hey, I, I've seen these spiders are beautiful, but I know I have to be cautious. It's more like, yeah, I've heard they're, the, I heard they're terrible. I heard they're scary. I think a lot of that reputation is not earned. Now let's get this out of the way. Can a piece of species get a pokey by you? Absolutely. Can there be pokeys with bad attitudes? Heck yes, there can be rosies with bad attitudes. There can be b pelosums. I actually heard my first case of somebody who got a, a threat pose from a Ulethless species red. They're the most docile things I've ever seen. So any spider has the potential and has the propensity to be defensive. Any spider potentially poses a risk of a bite that needs to be out of the way right now however when you look at the genus as a whole are they species that tend to want to stand their ground and fight and my answer to that would be no they're not and i've kept i believe i have i have to double check and i know i'm going to say the wrong number but i believe i've kept 11 of the species now and I've yet to, knock on wood, I won't knock because my dog's going nuts thinking somebody's knocking on the door, but knock on wood, I've yet to even have a threat posture from one. Um, the closest I got was my p metallic. I was trying to get a picture of her and she kind of slapped at my phone because I got a little too close, but it wasn't even, even looking at the video, it wasn't even a threat posture, I just freaked her out and she kind of ran toward the phone, it was a stupid move on my part, but that was about it. Mostly what I've seen behaviorally from p is they are naturally, they naturally have some of the best camouflage you would ever see on any animal their camouflage those beautiful patterns they have are meant to blend in with trees and i believe in nature what they will do is if something approaches them or if they're scared they their first inclination is to flatten out and hope it doesn't see them and anybody that's kept pokies are probably shaking their head right now because you've seen it before they flatten way out stretch out and try to blend in with their surroundings and they are darn good at it. you get one of those in there with a piece of cork bark it's the same color as them they disappear it's amazing used to happen with the pivotata all the time Billy would freak out and go, I think your pivotade is out. I don't see it in there. And I go, no, Billy, it's it's flattened up against that. And we'd have a good laugh over it. So their first reaction is to hide. If they have a burrow, if they've constructed something behind the cork bark and they have those dirt curtains, then expect them to, as you tap the enclosure, and this is what I tell everybody, when you go to open them up, tap the enclosure. Don't just fly right up, open up the enclosure, because if you startle them, they could bolt, but tap it. When they know you're coming, what they're going to usually do is carefully scuttle away and try to hide. They will go behind the cork bark, they will go underneath it, they will try to hide. If you catch one that's on the cork bark, most of them will either slowly like they they try to you can tell they're trying to kind of sneak and be subtle about it but they'll slowly sneak away and go under the cork bark or they flatten themselves out and that's something to keep in mind because if you open up a pokey enclosure and you're doing some work and the pokey starts bolting get out of there Close the enclosure back off let it calm down there's no use even working for it but i think if you approach them cautiously if you take the container out If you move the container, I tap it a little bit. I make sure I see the spider move because sometimes they'll flatten up. If they're flattened out, that's fine. But usually if you open it, they will try to hide and then you do your work. With rehousings, I've found that what you can do And I've illustrated this quite a few times in my video, so I'd encourage anybody that wants to see this, look up um, Tom's Big Spiders on YouTube and check out the rehousing videos. I just did one with an ornata. Unfortunately, you can't get the best view of what I'm seeing, and somebody pointed that out, so we're going to start using a head-mounted GoPro now so people can see exactly what I'm seeing. But what happens is when you go in there, you take out the water dish, you carefully take out that piece of cork bark and any decorations. And usually what the spider will do is flatten itself out the bottom of the substrate and try to hide. And that's when you just get the cup, go calmly in there with a the paintbrush. And sometimes if you're lucky, you can place the cup right over it. I encourage people to try to find some of the square clear Tupperware because if you have a square container, you can fit that in. It'll be able to get the corner and just set it right over top of it. And usually what happens is they scramble for a second and then they calm right down. Because what happens is when you place that cup over them, it cuts the airflow. And I think as far as they're concerned, they're hidden. There's no air rushing and hitting them and stirring them up. They feel comfortable. Then you slide a piece of cardboard underneath them and you move them. It's, It's rather simple overall. Again, if you go to do this and it starts racing around or it looks like it's scrambling up the side of the enclosure, stop everything. No use pushing it put the cover back on the enclosure wait a little while usually they settle down within an hour or so and try again but don't try to go for through the rehousing through with the rehousing if they're having an issue it's not worth the the threat of what they can do and honestly Billy and I have a running joke that we have more difficulty with some of the new world species that are supposed to be rather docile than we normally have with our pokies. And again, knock on wood, I am knocking on wood this time because I don't want to come across as cocky, but I just find them overall usually to be more predictable now we have a mass rehousing going on over here where i'm about to rehouse all of my psilotheria species and i believe i'm up to like 18 or 20 so hopefully my luck holds out but this is something that people that are looking at this species should be aware of when you go into a rehousing the key is to not be scared you're going to be nervous in some time in um, it it kind of comes with the territory, especially if you're doing a large, hot, old world species. I totally understand that. But if you're scared of it, that's going to cause you to make mistakes. That's going to cause you to put the spider at risk. I've seen people slam things down and catch the spider's legs in it because they freak out. It's going to put you at risk. You're going to do something stupid that's going to get you bit. The trick is to stay calm, to move slowly, to work deliberately, to not jack up the spider. And if the spider does get jacked up and upset and, and flighty, to just back off and let it settle down. And usually you'll have a very good time of it. So are they these nasty monsters people portray them to be? Not in my estimation. I know Ornata has a bit of a reputation for being a bit more defensive i've heard more stories of ornata's standing their ground i could be wrong but i think those are the ones that rob c the tarantula guy got bit by a couple times it was but that was during breeding when he was trying to get in between it and i forget what the other instance was so Can they bite? Yes. Do you want a bite from a piece of ethereal species? Heck no. If one more person comes up to me and says, man, I'd love to be just bitten by one of these guys because I'm really good with pain. I'm telling you, I want to smack them because it's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. I'm good with pain, I, I, I did martial arts for years and boxing and things of that nature and, and, and contact sports and I, I don't mind it. I grew up working on a farm, you were getting hurt and, and all the time, at broken bones, whatever, and I'm not saying I'd be a tough guy, it's just it's, it's the way we were raised. It was like if something got hurt, you'd go over and put ice on it and I think I had a broken arm for 24 hours once before my parents brought me to the doctors because I really wasn't making that big of a deal out of it. It's just how I grew up. I don't want anything to do with a bite from one of these. I don't want anything to do with a bite from any of my spiders, but reading what the piece of etheria can do to you, and this is something you do need to know about and need to be aware of and need to be enlightened on. The bite doesn't just involve excruciating pain. And when we say excruciating pain, we're talking pain at a level that no painkiller touches, that people have described as unimaginable. Somebody described it as somebody. Basically heating up a hot spike until it was red hot and then pounding it repeatedly into your hand and arm. That sounds horrifying. And then it's not just that. It can cause heart palpitations, dizziness, vomiting, nausea, and the cramping that people talk about is unreal. There was a story of a guy who got bit that woke up in the middle of the night. The cramps started full hardcore. You can't get them out. Cramps in his toes that ended up working their way up to his feet, his calves, full Charlie horses, as a dog shakes in the background, full Charlie horses to his thighs, and then moved up to his stomach, abdominal muscles, and then his chest to the point where they had to call an ambulance because they thought he was having a heart attack. It was making it difficult to breathe. That's no joke. And a lot of people report, I had a guy comment on one of my videos on pisoletheria where he said basically agree that they're not that bad as far as temperament but he did get bit by one and it was over a year before he was getting these horrible he stopped getting these horrible cramping pains nausea dizziness from a bite that had happened months before so it's no joke these guys do pack a wicked potent bite and you need to be aware of it but take that bite out of it and you've got a spider that's generally speaking or spiders generally speaking that are, are pretty laid back and, and not really prone to doing the bolting or the defensive stuff. Another thing that needs to be mentioned about them is they are very, very fast. If you've seen them, they're all legs. They can jump. They are tree spiders. They don't. I haven't seen mine do it often. I've seen my avicular species do it more often than I piece of theory, but they are capable of jumping. And if one were to get out in your home, no, it could be up the wall on the ceiling. They move quickly. So it's something, and again, I'm not saying this. I just spent the whole thing trying to say, you know, they're not as bad as they seem, but. You're a fool to go into this not being aware of how fast they are and how bad the bite could be. If you play your cards right, I don't think that either of these should even come into play when dealing with your P. litheria species. I honestly believe that. Are you going to, could you have a bad specimen? Yes. And if you have a specimen that seems to be a little more defensive, you should know that early on. So I encourage people to start with slings so you can watch their temperament as they go. And you never know, it could lose that temperament as it molts because I've had a lot of spiders that start off nice, they molt, they become skittish or defensive or vice versa. So that's something to think about. So if you play your cards right, you shouldn't have to worry about that, but you do need to be aware of the fact that they do have very potent venom and they are fast I just don't find them to be particularly defensive unfortunately I think that some people in trying to make sure that people getting new hobbyists getting into the hobby recognize the difference between the quote unquote beginner species and some of the more advanced old worlds I think they made a big deal about how bad these guys can be and and part of me completely understands that part of me can't imagine that if I had just gotten into the hobby after reading about tarantulas thinking that all of them had bites about the same as a bee sting and I had picked one of these guys up as an adult at a show I would have been screwed excuse the French but that that would have been a bad bad situation because I would not have been prepared for the speed I would not have known that if they bit me I could end up in the hospital there's a lot that a lot that could go wrong with somebody very new to the hobby getting one of these however I think that some people new to the hobby that have some experience under their belt, they have their basic husbandry down, could probably do pretty well with one of these, especially if they started as a sling grew it up to about three and a half inches or so and got it into an adult enclosure. You would minimize the amount of times you actually have to have that hands-on, quote-unquote, hands-on time with it during the rehousing. And then you get it into its adult rehousing. And I really don't think most people would have an issue. And I've spoken to, and this this is now backed up by years of talking to people who have gotten into the hobby and within a year or so have picked up a piece of Lotheria species, I have had one that got bit. And admittedly, that individual was doing something silly and I, the majority of people that get them not only don't have any problems with them, but within a couple months have bought a few more. So they seem to be a species that once you start to study them and work with them and understand their movements and their habits, when you get your rehousings down, when you're comfortable there and you've done a couple of rehousings with them, these are generally spe- a species that most people end up loving and getting more of and appreciating more. I have spoken to people that still freak out when they have to do a, a pokey rehousing, and I completely understand it because bottom line, that's just being smart. When you have to transfer one of these animals, that is the probably the most likely you are to get bit. That's that's your most opportune time to end up with a tarantula on your ceiling or one on your back. I've heard a, a guy in Arachnaboard's that has a lot of experience. With Pisotherya species, has commented several times that he has had Pisotherya up his pants, which I personally can't think of anything more horrifying than that. And I work with these things all the time, so it's it's a good good to know that people that have kept these guys for a long time have had issues with them. However, I think that's abnormal. I think that if you've got your transfers down, that if you play it smart, if you limit the number of transfers, then that really opens up the amount of people that could probably own these guys. Now, before this entire podcast gets misconstrued, as Tom Moran just said, all beginners should have pokies. No, not what I'm saying at all. Everybody moves at a different pace, and I do believe that anybody that is thinking about getting a pokey really needs to have their overall basic husbandry down. You need to have your rehousings down to a science, whatever it is. If you're still experimenting with different ways to rehouse, you're not sure if you like the bathtub, if you're not sure you like the table, if you're not sure you like the bag method or using a cup or whatever, you need to spend some more time getting that down and being comfortable with it. You need your basic husbandry as far as removing boluses, cleaning water dishes, setting up enclosures, watching spiders when they knowing when spiders are molting, all the basic stuff you need, you should have down. Some people, it, comes very very quickly in a few months they're feeling good and confident others it takes longer you need to know yourself i'll have people ask me hey tom i have this species this species this species am i ready for this i usually tell these people think about rehousing the spider what does it make you feel like are you are you terrified thinking about it is it something that would scare you i've had people tell me right off the bat hey i'm thinking about getting pokey but honestly they terrify me don't get one then you can't be terrified of it. Again, there's a difference between being nervous because you're doing something that could potentially result in an escape spider. Every time you do rehousing, the potential is there for an escape spider or for some type of mishap. So you need to be wary of that. And that's going to cause some anxiety. That's totally normal. But if you go into it scared, that's the worst possible thing you could do and the worst possible feeling you could have working with one of these animals, especially a species like P. Letharia. So I usually tell people to think about it a little bit and think about taking a seven inch piece of Litharia and rehousing. it I got a funny feeling some people are going to stop right here. I hope some people actually try it. Think about it. A Seven inch pokey. You're going to rehouse it from one enclosure to another. What, how does that make you feel? If you're getting a little jacked up and thinking, all right, I could do this and that. I use my cup technique. I've seen Tom do it. Then maybe you're in good shape. If you're thinking about going, oh my God, that sounds horrifying. Then you probably want to back off. So I'm not telling beginners to get these. I really do strongly believe that you need to get your experience in and get we talk about watching videos and I'll have people all the time go, oh, I've watched a bunch of videos. I'm ready for it. I, I again, believe with the, agree with the folks that say that watching your videos is great and that you can get tips from it. And I've had people and I love it. They'll compliment me or say that, Hey, I watched some of your videos. It really helped me know what to look for as far as we And that's great. That's exactly why I do them to kind of empower people so they know what to look for. But a lot of us will admit that it's a totally different ball game when you're the actually the one doing it. I can remember watching a lot of Pokey Rehousing videos, and then when I went to rehouse my Vitata for the first time, those meant nothing. It was me, the spider, my son, and trying to figure out how to not end up with this on the ceiling and not be in trouble with my wife. So... Keep in mind that, yes, videos can help, reading about them can help, but working with other easier spiders can also help you get those basic skills down so you know what you're doing so you don't panic, because panic is what leads to the issues where you have a spider on your ceiling or on your back or up your pants or shirt. I guess it was, if I remember correctly, it was either up his pants, I think one was up his pants and one was up his shirt. I don't know how the heck that happens. It seems to me something went wrong there, I wouldn't be bragging about it, but who knows. So, again amazing amazing creatures i honestly for people that do get into old worlds i think you absolutely need to find your pokey find that species you want i originally vitata is one of my favorites my regalis just molted recently and she is stunning i posted a, a kind of a crappy picture up on instagram but it shows some of those purple highlights and the whites and just a beautiful spider my ornata is f- flipping beautiful. And then Rufaladas, How I did not know that there was a green pokey. I will never understand. That was a huge shock to me. I think part of it was when I first got into the hobby, those were the ones that were mentioned as being A huge and B a little more likely to stand their ground. So I was like, nope, not doing that. So by the time I finally got Rufaladas, I just hadn't paid a lot of attention to them. I had had a lot of people tell me how gorgeous they were and a lot of people tell me that was their favorite species. I was like, no way, no way. How could that be? Oh my Lord they're beautiful one of them just molted and that those green or er, like undertones with the pinkish hairs you just can't capture it on video or photos well enough to, to really do it justice they are extraordinary looking spiders. So, the Metallica, of course, a blue pokey. How can you do better than that? They're just amazing. My Tigrina Wassellis are gorgeous. My Smithy's a beautiful girl. There's just, I really have a heart. It's like picking your favorite dog or favorite child. So, I don't know. It, it goes from day to day, which my favorite is. I love the Metallica. I love the Rufalada. I love the Ornata. I love the Hannah Mavelisa Mika. Uh, my Striata is absolutely gorgeous. My Tigrinna Wasselli's, I'm just going to say all of them. So I would be interested to hear in the comments section of this one what people think. What is your favorite pokey? I do not have sub so people can make fun of me for that. I've had a couple people say that's their favorite, and I need to get them. Um, I'll be working on that this summer. Another exciting thing we might have coming is possibly a piece of Letheria communal. I don't want to give too much information on this now because it's not 100% settled, but I may be getting a nine or so of a certain species that I'll be putting together and obviously doing videos of and writing about and talking about. And I'm really excited about this because I looked into... of Pesolitheria communals and I originally heard some mixed messages but then I talked to some people that bred them and some people that I really respect in the hobby that had been doing this for years and have kept them together and said it was amazing to see them interact so we might be giving it a try I'm not going to give anything away but stay tuned either for the videos or I'll mention on podcast when it's official I'm sure there'll be like a a housing video of it and a setup video. And then I will talk about it here as well. So I think that about covers it for peaceful letharia species. Hopefully I've helped convince some people that they aren't quite as bad. Again, You need to be careful with them, you need to be aware, you need to be educated, you need to have your basic husbandry down, but once that's down, they are amazing animals to keep. There's a reason why so many people gush about pokies every time they talk about their favorite spiders. And as far as hardy spiders, it's about as hardy as they get, you can keep them dry as adults with water dishes, they're eating machines, I don't have very many molt problems. And they are usually out and about where you can see them. Even my Metallica, I lucked out there because supposedly these guys are very photosensitive and mine is always out and about. So anytime I go into the room, I can take my flashlight or open up the container and they're usually right on top. Um, So, that about does it for this one. Spreading my love for Pesolitheria species. I know somebody posted on a the board they can't stand the way I say Pesolitherium. We can argue over the Latin names. I was informed that that's how you say it. I know people say Pocletharia and obviously we call them pokies. I do believe that's because of how it's mispronounced. But you know what? Let me have this one. I get so much uh, <clears throat> its such a hard time for mispronouncing these guys quite a bit that I'm keeping it Pesolitheria. That's what I'm calling them. So again, thanks so much for listening. I always appreciate anybody that takes the time to listen to these. I'm still kind of floored that people enjoy them. Just seems like I, I get sick of hearing myself talk. Like right now I got a headache just listening to myself talk for the last 45 minutes, but I do appreciate it. And again, I had my first person find my YouTube channel from my podcast, which is great because most of the people are finding my podcast from my YouTube channel. So that was awesome. Um, again, feel free to check out my website times, big spiders, or my YouTube channel. Tom Moran or Tom's Big Spiders Spiders or Tom Moran I should come up and I have many husbandry videos and videos featuring my guys and I'm on Instagram as well um know that those of you that are sending me messages on Instagram I'm just going to call myself out I'm still terrible at figuring out when I have messages and where they are and the other day I responded to something completely wrong because it said something about a story I don't know I was it was all confusing somebody needs to explain the story thing to me because I get things saying that I was in a story or my name was mentioned in a story and I honestly don't know what that means it's probably just ask my students so anyway thanks so much for listening until next time good day it is actually daytime here not morning i'm doing it on a friday afternoon and uh, we'll catch you next time